You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Well, it's so good to be at Renew Life. My, oh my, just, uh, you know, I'm from California and we've been locked down so much. Let's laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> and just to get here to Texas to breathe and to worship. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for what's in this house. Thanks for the presence. Anybody else appreciate worship today? My, oh my. I thought I was going to have my own Enoch experience. <laughs> Steve came to Midland and was no more. <laughs> Poof. Gone. And yeah, just, um, and I know you guys have been through a lot as well. Wow, what a week you've had. My, oh my. Uh, we were praying for you, and we just pray continued restoration and grace and healing and people who have been affected by this. Lord, just meet them in an incredible way. Amen? You agree with that? Why don't you just uh, repeat this after me? Say, God brought me here today because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me today. It's supernatural. It's going to increase. It's going to influence the nations. Amen. I think I'm in the right house. There's a guy named Gideon. Judges 6. He was, the nation of Israel was in a very dark time. They were oppressed, and, and Gideon was in a wine press threshing wheat. His goal was to not move backwards anymore in his life. His goal was not to lose anything more. And, and his goal was survival. And in verse 12 of Judges 6, it says, And the angel of the Lord... Just say, angel of the Lord. By the way, there's people in this room who are going to have angelic encounters in 2021. I mean, it happened in, an old, in the old covenant, which is an inferior covenant. How much more? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and I say, I think that's a word for you. <laughs> <clears throat> the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian? 
And the Lord turned to him and said, so you got the angel talking to him? Now God's talking to him. Hmm. Someone just go, hmm, hmm, hmm. This thing's getting more intense. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And, and, and it goes on. I mean, I, I love this story. I, I love who God used in the Bible because it encourages me. Because if I, if I was God, I wouldn't have used half the people he used. <laughs> I mean, this guy Gideon, he, he had so many issues. His issues had issues. And, and it's a fascinating story. I mean, if you, many of you know it. I mean, it started this chain reaction uh, of where what he heard was ridiculous. Yeah, he probably thought, this angel is new to angelic prophetic ministry. Or, or, or either that or he came from a great worship service in heaven and got overly excited and has overestimated me. Because that's a ridiculous word. By the way, the most important things you and I need to hear will sound ridiculous when we first hear them. The most important things Midland needs to hear will sound ridiculous because it's not going to agree with past experience. You know, sometimes we'll release a prophetic word and, and, you know, just the angel gave Gideon a prophetic word. He told him who he was and he told him what he was going to do. And those really are the, the two powerful components of prophetic ministry, telling us who we are. Because he told him, he said, hey, he also told him God was with him. But he says, you are a mighty man of valor. Now, now he was a, a mighty man of valor living in a non-mighty man of valor experience. <laughs> but our experience doesn't create our identity. Matter of fact, if we let our experience create our identity, that becomes a bigger problem than what the devil's doing. That's the stronghold. That, that's bigger than anything the devil's doing is when we get our identity from our past. And, and, and I'm hearing in this meeting today, I mean, God's already done supernatural things in this meeting. I mean, this is a powerful meeting. <laughs> and and, and I, was like, I mean, sometimes we'll give a prophetic word to someone and we'll say, uh, hey, um, does this word make sense to you? And, and you know, I'm sure if the angel said, hey, Gideon, because sometimes we want feedback to let us know we're on the right track. <laughs> I can imagine the angel say, hey, Gideon, does this word, mighty man of valor, make sense to you? Ha <laughs> ha. 
No. <laughs> if we're only prophesying things that are making sense, we're not prophesying high enough. Someone's got someone's to break out of the pack. I mean, Romans 4.17 says, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are. God's method of bringing life to dead places is for someone to see that according to its potential, not according to its past. And, and just, I mean, he's, he's arguing. I mean, basically Gideon's saying, uh -uh, I'm, not, I'm not receiving that word because if I receive that word, I've got to get my hopes up. Uh-uh, nope, uh -uh. I'm protecting myself from disappointment. And really, that's because once we get into survivalism, I've been there. And, and where my goal, my goal is I don't want to be disappointed again. And, and I love the verse Bethany quoted out of Romans 5. It says, hope does not disappoint. Now, I'll go on later, but I believe faith, if you're a faith person who doesn't have hope, you get disappointed. But faith people with hope learn how to overcome disappointment. And this guy Gideon, anybody, I can relate to this guy Gideon. Because God's always trying to tell me I'm more than I think I am. Especially in an environment like this renewed place. I mean, you can... Hardly walk around here with someone telling you who you are and what you're going to do. And by the way, there's a, even in this house, there's an increase of prophetic ministry that's just going to explode. And you're going to unlock Gideons all over the world. You're already doing it to a degree, but it's going to increase. Because you're going to get keys of the prophetic that you've never seen before. And I, I can relate to Gideon because my, my life is the Lord talked to me. And I'll tell you my story because my message is my story. It's what God has done in me. It's the conclusions that I've made in my interactions with the Lord. And, and, and even as I share today, I'll say things like God said this to me. And, and it wasn't that I heard it in an audible voice. It was, it was the conclusion that I made based on prayer the word, meditation, these are conclusions that, that I made. And so I'm on staff at Bethel Church, Redding, California. I've been there since 2008. By the way, we love your senior leaders, Braden and Leanne, their team, and big part of us, and we love what's here. And... Used to travel about half the year. This year, I haven't traveled very much. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> kind of enjoyed it. My wife, Wendy, travels as well. She's, in, uh, she's been in Atlanta this weekend and going to Kentucky tomorrow. And, um, and we, have, we have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries, and we have an assignment to ignite hope. That's our main assignment, because there, there's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. Let me say that again. 
There's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. And I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership, influential quality there is. I believe that our hope level determines our influence level. He has the most hope is the most influence. And my favorite definition of hope is hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present. And I have the power to help make it so. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. And for all of my life, all of my Christian life, there's always been a reason why I shouldn't have radical hope for life here. I mean, we've got the blessed hope, which is a great thing. Eternal life. Woo-hoo! <laughs> I mean, that's good news. But God wants us to have hope in this life because hope is the thing that brings excellence, brings improvements, it gives us energy. Without hope, without a vision, the people perish, we get tired, and we go into survival mode. Just hope I I don't lose anything else. God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. Can you imagine David attacking Goliath today? Uh, Hey, David, before you attack Goliath, we're just looking on our phones. And we're reading what the media experts are saying. Ha ha. (laughs) They're saying you're being unreasonably optimistic. They're saying you shouldn't have such high beliefs. You should protect yourself from being disappointed. And what the experts are saying is that you should go back to the fields and settle for life as it is and make it your life goal to pay your bills every month. Let's laugh at that, by the way. Ha ha. Hey, Ezekiel, before you prophesy to those dry bones, We just want to let you know what the experts are saying. The experts are saying you must not know how dry they really are. (laughs) Or you wouldn't be so optimistic. What they're saying is you should do a deeper study on the bone's dryness. so that you'll become more realistic. Because what the experts are saying, when you speak to the bones, nothing's going to happen. Let's laugh at that as well. God hasn't called us to be realistic. He's called us to be supernatural. And I love that story, Ezekiel 37. God shows Ezekiel a valley of very dry bones, and, and he asks him a question. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But he basically says, hey, Ezekiel, I I want to know what you think about something. Because what you think is going to determine what I can do. Can these bones live? Ezekiel, do you believe these bones have a good future? 
Do you believe they have a good future? And I love Ezekiel's answer. He says, oh, Lord God, you know. Ha, ha. Woo, ha, ha. You know, God, we're waiting for you to do something. We're waiting for your timetable. Mm-hmm. Waiting for you to do something with those bones. And, and then the Lord says, Ezekiel, you prophesy. He didn't say, uh, Ezekiel, step aside, watch me prophesy. No, he says, you, tell the bones they're going to live. Tell them they got a good future. And he did. It started this chain reaction. And, and God has to partner with somebody who has hope to accomplish his will. God has to partner with somebody. I mean, he, he, we don't deny, faith is in denial. It's not, hey, that's very dry. Hey, this nation's dry. Hey, morality's dry. Family, it's, whoa, it's very dry. Yeah, uh-huh. Hey, Steve, can they live? Oh, Lord God, you know. No, he says, Steve, you prophesy. I remember when I first started learning about joy and hope, and I said, oh, no, now I have to be happy, too. <laughs> oh, no, man, I'm trying so hard to be a good Christian. Now I got to be happy and optimistic. That sounds like hard work. Now, perspective of joy and hope is the fruit of having good beliefs. And the question is never how dry the bones are. The question is whether someone has renewed their mind enough to believe the bones can live. I'll say that again. By the way, this is a pessimism deliverance service. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one, too. You're not even going to know you're getting delivered, and you're just going to find yourself delivered. That's, just, that's exciting. Forgot what I was saying. Got so excited about pessimism deliverance. <laughs> it's not denial. I mean, in Numbers 13, Joshua and Caleb didn't deny. Many of you know the story. Twelve spies go spy out the promised land, come back for 40 days, give Moses a report. They break up into two groups of people. Joshua and Caleb was one group. Someone say, yay. yay. The other group was the ten spies. Say, boo. They both saw the exact same set of circumstances and put a different conclusion on what they saw. Ten spies said, great place, but we can't do it. This, the problems are too big. Societal problems have grown. These giants are too big. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we are in theirs. And by the way, how you see yourself will be how you'll interpret the world. Because that's why the angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Because we've got to see ourselves higher than our experience. But Joshua and Caleb said, 
let us go up at once. We are well able to overcome it. Say, we are well able to overcome it. Say it again. Say it louder. I grew up north coast of California near a city called Eureka, Redwood Tree Country. Did not know Jesus as a boy. Graduated high school, kind of became a hippie, actually had hair. Hippie girlfriend, Wendy, who are now married, seeking, searching, finally met Jesus. Someone say yay. yay. And we found out there's no high like the most high. <laughs> Got married a couple years later. Stayed in Assembly of God Church on the north coast there. I was on staff there many years. Lived in Romans 12.1. Give your bodies living sacrifice to the Lord, which is a reasonable service. It was a season of learning how to do things God's way. Not my will be done, but your will be done. A, a, a season of surrendering uh, or sacrificing our time, our money, our dreams, laying it all down on the altar, saying, God, here we are, send us. Powerful time. Learning, learning, to, um, learning the value of integrity, learning the value of treating people well, learning just to uh, do things God's way. Wendy and I had built our relationship on the sand, and he, he said, I want you to start building your relationship on a rock. And I've never done anything God's way and said, I wish I wouldn't have done it God's way. But then he sent us out to the desert in central Nevada, 1991, to pastor a church in uh, a great metropolitan center called Round Mountain, Nevada. Let's laugh at that. Uh -huh. Four hours from Reno, four hours from Vegas, high desert. Kind of looks like here. <laughs> I was telling Cody I was out there in the desert so long that I actually started thinking light brown was green. The Lord, how many know God likes to send people to deserts to teach him how to repent? And one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. And basically, we heard this, Stephen, Wendy, I love your heart for Romans 12.1, but if you're going to see transformation, I need to move you into Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're not going to see transformation by surrendering our heart. We're going to see transformation by surrendering our beliefs. We've got to believe something higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. It's called faith. And we grew up under a culture that the reason we thought we didn't have breakthroughs is because we hadn't given God our heart enough. And in that mindset, my wife's crying out to the Lord God, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I guess I don't know how to give you my heart. Just take my heart. And she hears this, Wendy, I've got your heart. Now I need your mind. And we found out this, surrendering beliefs is often more challenging than surrendering our heart because they're called strongholds. You know why they're called strongholds? Because they have a stronghold. 
kind of makes sense. <laughs> stronghold, stronghold. <laughs> and the Lord says, Wendy, can you surrender the beliefs that you're shy, inadequate, can't speak well in front of others? Can you surrender those beliefs? She says, but Lord, that's who I am. And she hears, that's not who you are, that's who you've become. Steve, can you surrender the beliefs that there's something uniquely wrong with you? Let's laugh at that one. <laughs> can you surrender the beliefs that you're less than others, less than other leaders? Can you surrender that belief? But Lord, it feels so true. Doesn't it mean it is true if it feels that true? And he said, no. Showed us John 8, 32. It says the truth will make you free. Every area of our life we believe truth in, we get free. Every area of our life we believe lies, we're not free. And I first get, we get, first get free in our emotions, then we get free in our experience when we believe truth. If we believe lies, we get unfree in our emotions and we're, we're restricted in our experience. We get saved by believing in Jesus, we get free by believing like Jesus. I get saved when I put my faith in him, I get free when I start believing like him. So the, the, the question is, how do we know if we're believing a lie? Because I believe the, the greatest battle is between believing lies and truth. I'm, I'm not a devil-focused Christian. I'm not a behavior-focused Christian. Uh, I'm a Jesus-focused Christian, and I'm a belief-focused Christian. Let me say that again. I'm not a devil-focused Christian. I'm not a behavior-focused Christian. I'm a Jesus-focused Christian and a belief-focused Christian. So I was reading a book by a guy named Francis Frangipan, The Three Battlegrounds. One of the battlegrounds is the mind. And, and, and he, said, he said this, and it's actually started our ministry. I read this in the early 90s. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope, say glisten with hope. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Let me say that one again. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I read that, I close the book, I become instantly discouraged. Because I'm trying to find one area of my life where I've got hope, let alone glistening hope. Didn't even know glistening hope existed. <laughs> I'm I can't find one area. Man, I had so many things in my life that were telling me at that time I was a failure. Let me, let me just give you a, a short list of those, and after each one, I would like you to laugh. I had, I had an unsuccessful car. Ha <laughs> ha. Let's give an extra laugh at that one. <laughs> I, I, my salary was not successful. <laughs> my hair was starting to get non-successful. <laughs> my church size was not successful. Uh -huh. 
My home, which was an old single wide trailer sitting next to the church called the Parsonage, was not successful. I remember it was that season, I said, I said, hey Lord, I'll tell you what, I'll start believing better when things start getting better in my life. Is that okay with you? He said, no. That's not how this thing works. I mean, the way this thing works is you've got to start believing higher than what you're feeling and experiencing. And it's never going to be convenient. So it was, I realized, wow, every year it doesn't glisten with hope. I'm believing a lie. It's a stronghold of the devil. Man, I thought strongholds were out there. He's saying strongholds are in here. Man, man, I got to get rid of my excuses. Don't know if I want to get rid of my excuses. It's always easier to say the devil did it. I realized I had good doctrine but bad beliefs. I realized almost everything I believed in my life at that time was a lie. I was pastoring a church. The only time I thought right was when I was under the manifest presence of God. Whoo, man. I mean, in the worship service, I thought right. Man, we sang some good stuff. It's, um, you sent the darkness running out. You're out of an empty grave. You have no rival. You have no equal. What a powerful man. Sing those songs. Man, I had victory. Yeah, oh yes, amen. I believe it. But outside of the presence of God, I was pessimistic, insecure, feeling unworthy, discouraged, fearful, victim mindset, insecure. Someone turned the music back on so I can think right. And the Lord says, how you think after the meeting is more important than how you think in the meeting. Because it's not the anointing that makes you free, it's truth. I love the anointing. But ultimately, it's not what somebody else believes or the environments that I'm in, whether I'm going to be free, it's what I believe. Showed us Romans 15, 13, where it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I love that. It says, now, now may the God of hope, listen, there's three emotions mentioned in this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Say all joy. joy. Not just a little joy. Just say all joy. joy. And then it says peace in believing. So the moment I start believing truth, I start getting filled by the God of hope. Whoo. Start believing truth. I get filled. Then it gets to my eyes. I'm actually seeing everything different. Hey, I'm actually seeing me differently. Hey, I'm actually starting to like me. I actually like being me. That's amazing because I haven't always, I, most of the time I haven't liked being me. Trying to get hope for me, God. Man, I'm kind of like Gideon. God, maybe God can use me. Hey, the people in my life, I'm starting to get hope for them. They're not as bad as I thought they were. <laughs> Got hope for my nation. 
And so our, our, our hope levels the indicator of whether we're believing lies or truth. This is what we're hearing in the desert. Got a lot of hope, believing a lot of truth, don't have much hope, believing a lot of lies. There's no condemnation if we're believing a lot of lies. But if we don't know what our problem is, we have a real problem. I didn't know what my problem was. I thought my past was my problem. I thought the people in my life was my problem. I thought government was my problem. I thought the time I'm living in is my problem. I lived in a better time. I could be effective. But no, I'm a victim of what's going on. No, I mean, none of that's the problem. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. This is what I'm hearing. Steve, your hopelessness about that area of weakness in your life is a bigger problem than that area of weakness. Because there's a lie that's creating that lack of hope. And you, you need to find out what that lie is and get the truth in there so you can get really free. Your hopelessness about your nation is a bigger problem than anything going on in your nation, Steve. But Lord, these bones are really dry. Ha <laughs> ha. I love hope and... Our whole ministry is about hope, and anytime there's hope, there's all joy and peace as well. And hope's so essential because if we try to have faith without hope, it's unhealthy. And let me try to explain the difference. Faith is very specific, while hope is more general. Faith says God's going to do this. Hope says I don't know what God's going to do, but good things are coming. Good things. Good things are coming. Faith says, I'm going to get it. That prayer's going to be answered. I'm going to get into this prophetic destiny. Hope says, even if I don't get there, I'm going to thrive. Even if it doesn't happen, I'm going to thrive. Faith says, I'm getting married. Hope says, even if I don't get married, I'm going to thrive in life. And when you get hope, it increases the likelihood of good things happening. Because it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hope is the essence of delighting. Whoo, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I can't wait to see what you're going to do in my country. Now, I don't know what you're going to do with that family member situation, but I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. Faith says, faith says, I know what you know. I know, I, and I know we're to have, have faith. We're to believe for things. But I believe the body of Christ has devalued hope. And because we've devalued hope, faith people without hope have a very difficult time overcoming disappointment. You guys good? You receiving this? I want to close with something fun, something fun today. By the way, just turn to your neighbor and just say, I think this whole message is just for you. <laughs> it's for me, too. Every time I preach it, I go, wow, thanks, Steve. I needed that. Yeah. Woo! I'm starting to slip off into some lies. 
Here's the thing. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive. And the only command that's given in the most quoted spiritual warfare passage in the Bible is to think differently. Steve, what do you think? Can these bones live? And one of the weapons I love is the weapon of laughter. Because to laugh, to laugh, you have to let go of something. And laughter is a powerful weapon that disempowers the lies that create negative strongholds in our life. And I want to just do an experiment with you guys today. I want to share with you some of the devil's all-time favorite lies. And I would just like you guys just to laugh. And I need you just to warm up your laughers just right now. Can you just warm them up? Because <laughs> I wouldn't want anybody to laugh suddenly and pull a laugh muscle. So I'm going to give you just some of, just, this, just do an experiment here um, and, and just laugh at these lies that fuel negative strongholds. You guys ready? Here's one of the devil's all-time favorites. Let's just give a hearty laugh on this one. You are a failure. <laughs> and we all hear the same lies. How about this one? God loves you, but he does not like you. <laughs> Here's a classic lie of the devil. God will not provide for your needs in the future. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh on that one. <laughs> How about this one? The Midland, Texas region is an impossible region for worldwide revival to break out from. <laughs> As a matter of fact, God doesn't even like this region. Why don't you just laugh at this lie? I already shared it. I already shared it, but it's just a good one to laugh at. <clears throat> there is something uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> it sounds like a nervous laughter on that one. <laughs> that might be true. No, it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. You should not trust the perspective of any Christian who laughs a lot. Ha ha. Because they're obviously not getting it. And I know we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep. I get that. But there's something powerful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart is good like medicine. In his presence is fullness of joy. Joy is one-third of the kingdom. Romans 14, 17. And so today, I just, uh, I bless you today in the name of Jesus. I, I bless you with 
the revelation about surrendering beliefs and not just our heart. I bless you with the revelation that any conclusion that we make that doesn't have hope attached to it is under the influence of a lie. I bless you today with, with hearing what Gideon heard. He heard who he was and he heard what he was going to do when it sounded ridiculous. I thank you, Lord, for the ridiculous-sounding words getting released into our hearts to break off our agreement with negative past experience and negative feelings. You know, just uh, just being here, just asking the Lord, you know, Lord, who am I talking to? He says, Steve, you're talking to great people today. You're talking to great people. You're talking to people who want to do it right. You're talking to people who are one belief away from a tipping point in their lives. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.